0: for most people, when they get into a breakup, what they're trying to do is get over the person. That becomes the main focus, is how do I get over the person? When in reality, getting over someone is not a process of forgetting them, it's not a process of stopping to care about them, it's actually a process of evolving those four bodies to a point where you've integrated the learnings and the lessons, so you're no longer a match to that version of them.
1: I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Ooh, I am in. I am in it as far as a relationship goes. I am at the point of this recording a week away from my one-year wedding anniversary. In love, in partnership, in it. Y'all who are listening, you know, right? Jordan and I are fucking obsessed with each other. We love the life that we are navigating together, the ups and the downs and the unknowns. But before I got to a place where... I could be in partnership the way that I'm in partnership with Jordan. I was in the highs and the lows of calling in lesson after lesson breakups. I have some partners in the past that I would say I hold very fondly in my heart. And I'm very proud of the way that I navigated through the uncoupling process, the breakup. And then who I became on the other side. And then I have some people that... Like for a long time, there was one in particular that my family and I called Voldemort, he who must not be named. But still, even that person, I look back and like, wow, I have so much of what's amazing in my life right now to date that I thank that person for, that I'm grateful to that person for. And, you know, when I think of this podcast and the conversations that we've had a lot of times we're having convos about sex and we're having convos about the dynamics that go into having a great sex life and building a great relationship. And I have so many convos with my husband, Jordan, and people about being in relationship. And I actually think that maybe out of the whole two years, this podcast has been going strong. We've only maybe had one conversation about what it's like to break up better, to break up empowered, to break up, feel your feelings, to just break up in a way that you know ends a relationship where both people feel like their dignity is still intact and like they can go on with their lives and call in the next great love. And so, this podcast episode, I would say, in some ways, is a little bit overdue. And I can't imagine a better person to open up the breakup convo with than Adam Rella. Thank you so much for coming onto the show.
0: Ah, uh, thank you very much. Congratulations on the one-year <laughs> wedding anniversary. That's amazing, and. Thank you for having me. It's funny to hear me introduced as like one of the best people to have a conversation about breakups with because I spent so many years trying so hard not to be that guy. And so to now be that person is really a full circle moment for me. So I just had that experience hearing that intro. So thank you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really think when I think about you and I think about your work, of course, right now in this particular podcast, there's so much to you and so much you can speak on and that I've heard you speak on. But for the purposes of this episode, we're just going to go a little bit more into like breaking up and that kind of thing. But when I think of you and I remember some of the times that I've heard you speak or teach, because I remember the first time I ever met you was at a little event, like a little micro festival in California. And you were in partnership at the time and you were doing some kinds of like a workshop on masculine and feminine dynamics. And so my introduction to you was in relationship and partnership. And that was what you were talking about. But generally, I know that you can speak very deeply and very poetically about a lot of different subjects. You, in my mind, and I'm sure in a lot of people's eyes and hearts, are someone who feels deeply and who has a lot of questions, internal questions, external questions. And so it's kind of sweet, I think, in some ways that where you are in your life and what you're moved, being moved by and how to support people is in this really vulnerable way that I think a lot of people shy away from. They're just like, oh, just get back on the horse and go. You're good.
0: Well, what I realized, Alexa, is that the reason why I got stuck in a loop for as long as I did, on a very surface level, people will say, wow, you were in a 10-year relationship that ended pretty suddenly. Of course, it's going to take a while to get through that. But deeper than that was that I had this association that you're in relationship and when that relationship ends, you're now single and you now need to navigate being single. But that's not true, that's not how I view it now. I actually think that that is some of the cause of the suffering is because we'll be broken up and you know, two months, three months down the road, we'll be thinking, well, we're single. I should feel this way. I should feel sexy. I should feel like I'm ready For a new partnership, I should feel excited to start dating, whatever it is, or I shouldn't feel sad or angry or whatever. And the comparison to what we think we should feel when we're single, to what we actually feel, is not in alignment. And therefore, it can create a lot of suffering and resistance to what is. And that's when I realized that when a relationship ends, you actually enter into the breakup process. There is a process that you enter into that no one's explained. About no one's taught this in school. And understanding that process is why I made the course, The Art of Breaking Up, and why I've now come back to helping people in this is because I didn't know that there was such a thing. And as a result, I got derailed for years, years, and years, and years. And I don't think people need to get derailed the way that I did. And it starts by just understanding the process. Mm.
1: So why do you think breakups are so painful? I mean, you said a lot of shoulds and shouldn'ts, and that shame, I mean, whenever I hear should or shouldn't, I think of Annie Lala when she said, she says, should is a could covered in shame, you know? Why do you think breakups can be so painful for people?
0: Well, because breakups are one of the only events that I can think of outside of maybe death, death of a loved one which is kind of like a breakup in some ways, where it completely dissolves your past, your present, and your future simultaneously in an Mm -hmm. instant. Imagine you get into like a car accident. Okay, your present is definitely adjusted. Your future is adjusted. Maybe you need surgery or or whatever might happen, but you're not looking at your past through the lens of, wow, everything I ever did led me to this car accident. I wonder if I screwed things up when I was five, like whatever, (laughs) but in a breakup, in that moment, your future of what you thought your life was going to look like has dissolved. Your present has dissolved and your past has dissolved because suddenly every event you've ever had with that partner is leading you to a breakup, not a happily ever after it's leading you to a breakup. And suddenly you're looking through the entirety of your past relationship as evidence of how you could have done better or how the red flags were there from the beginning. And so Literally, the breakup is so intense on an energetic level because your entire being and construct of reality has just dissolved. And while this is incredibly confronting and can be incredibly painful, it's also a sign that you have an opportunity greater than any other process you'll maybe ever go through outside of, like, think about like giving birth. Maybe giving birth is a great example. Your past is now completely shifted as well but like it's at that level and you have an opportunity to completely redesign and redefine who you are and who you're going to be and so that's what i really want to speak to more often than not is yes it's painful but this is an opportunity unlike any other
1: Mm, and i remember moments where in the past and i have to catch myself because when I interact with someone who's on the verge of breakup or they're breaking up or they're just post breakup, because like inside of me, I'm like celebrating them, mm-hmm. you know, but to them, they're like, shut the fuck up, <laughs> you know, like, I don't hear that shit right now. I'm in pain. I am hurting. So what do you think? And maybe this will lead you into some of what you've discovered in recent times with the process of breaking up and how you can do that better. But. What do you think is some of the ways that people can really process some of the pain of a breakup?
0: So, I recently released a course, The Art of Breaking Up, mm-hmm. and how that course came to be so that people understand this. Because I think that we live in a social media world where a lot of what's being presented by coaches and experts and fields and whatever is just regurgitated information in new ways. And we were talking before we started recording about I went through three significant breakups, like really ones that derailed me significantly. And after the third one, I handled that very differently. After the first one of 10 years ended, I made a reality show about that breakup. And I had a camera crew follow me around the world, highlighting what it looks like to heal from a breakup called The Art of Choosing Love, which is on YouTube if anyone wants to see it, which, spoiler alert, it's me crying all over the world.
1: (laughs) I remember it. We watched it. (laughs) Jordan and I watched it.
0: Yeah, I'm really proud of that show. I think it's a really good way of approaching personal development to really just show people the realness and the rawness of what it can really look like. And so after this third breakup, I got a cabin in the woods in the middle of nowhere outside of Asheville, North Carolina. Didn't see a human on most days. And I brought every journal I've kept since 2007. And this was 2020 or 2021. And I literally just started reading it chronologically. And what it allowed me to do was see all these patterns. I was able to see, wow, I'm writing about the same stuff after my first breakup that I'm writing about now. I'm seeing the same things being said. So did I really actually heal? I'm just repeating this stuff. And that allowed me to start looking at what I had been doing to move through these breakups that actually worked. When was the shift point? Where did that happen? And I noticed that I was doing things instinctually. One example, and I put this into the course, is a forgiveness list where literally I was writing, I forgive myself for, I forgive myself for, I forgive myself for, I forgive myself for. And I would have 20 things just in a journal entry and going, wow, I actually did that. I would write about how I did some mirror work and I looked into the mirror and I talked to myself and I said, I actually did that. And so I started compiling this list of exercises that actually worked for me. And what I learned when I was constructing this course was that I had to approach it from all four bodies, the physical body, the mental body, the emotional body, and the spiritual body, because they're all layered on top of each other, right? And so if I'm experiencing deep mental like just anguish because I'm playing these loops in my head over and over and over, there's an emotional component to that, a spiritual component to that, and there's also a physical component to that. And I think that when it comes to, for most people, when they get into a breakup, what they're trying to do is get over the person. That becomes the main focus, is how do I get over the person? When in reality, Getting over someone is not a process of forgetting them. It's not a process of stopping to care about them. It's actually a process of evolving those four bodies to a point where you've integrated the learnings and the lessons so you're no longer a match to that version of them. That's actually how you get over someone is you're no longer a match to them. You don't actually even want to date someone like that again. And if you don't move on and you don't evolve in that way, what happens is you'll replace that person with another archetype of the same thing so you can learn the same lessons so your soul can actually evolve so that you are no longer a match to that old type of relationship.
1: Wow, that hits. (laughs) For sure that hits. And I think back, I definitely got out of some relationships in the past and Well, I have this particular habit. It comes from having a single military mom that has been married five times and it's a revolving door. One goes out, one comes in. Like, Mm -hmm. and she a lot of times was the boss of them in their unit in the military. Multiple stepdads, she was their actual boss. And so I'm working on it still even in my marriage where it's, I will leave before you do. Mm. Like, Oh, no. Oh, this is tough. You might hit the exit button. You know what? Let me just save us both and I'll just get this process going for us, mm-hmm. you know? And so I'm learning in relationship now to not hit the button, not go anywhere, to literally writhe in discomfort and go, this is my shit, <laughs> you know? And those times when I think back on a handful of the relationships were... I like, this isn't going to go where we wanted to go. And I was often partnered with someone who would just stay no matter what, like no matter how bad it got, they just were steadfast and like, I'm choosing this. Mm -hmm. And then there were a couple to a few that I held on to so tightly. Like I let the letting go, like the letting go happened, but it's not what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And definitely the feeling of I can never get that back. Like what I just experienced with that person. I'll never be the same. And I even find myself at times, which I think is a very human thing to do, that some components of those previous relationships that warmed me so much, that felt so good. But I know that that relationship was not going to be my forever, was not going to be something that I could have created a foundation for family and life and all of that. And it's just the longing for Mm. some of those things. And so processing that is tough at times. I think maybe, and you can weigh in on this, but You know, even at the end of a breakup, it's evolving past in a sense, or like you were saying, like your soul's evolution. But for me, I'm like having a moment of like reminiscence where I am like, oh, but it is also really sweet to appreciate that thing that I was a match for at that time. You know, that sweetness or that sincerity. And yeah, and while a lot of the rest of the relationship could have not been a match, you know, some components, I think. Like it maybe even in the learning, maybe that's a part of the learning is like stuff that you decide to take with you. Like, I want more of this thing.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautifully said. Ultimately, it's take the lessons and leave the baggage. One of the ways breakups become so hard is we beat ourselves up for things that we didn't do or did do that we can see, man, I would do that differently
1: Mm -hmm.
0: now. I would do that differently Mm -hmm. now. But it's funny because the only reason we even have that awareness is because we broke up. Right. Right? You don't get mad at a five-year-old for not knowing calculus. (laughs) They they haven't learned calculus yet. So why would you get upset? with, and yet here we are getting so just angry with ourselves or shaming ourselves or blaming ourselves for things that we literally did not know until the breakup. The breakup was the curriculum that taught us those things. And to your point, and it's a big part of the course, actually looking back and starting to find The gifts and starting to see the growth, and actually tangibly understanding both the lessons, but also the red flags that you hadn't been able to see before. Having that awareness can bring us into that state of gratitude and begin to see the breakup for the gift that it is. And one of the hardest things for people to overcome in doing this sort of work and getting a course to help heal from a breakup or whatever is because there's a part of them that doesn't want to move on. There's actually a part of them that does not want to fully let go and is holding on to the idea that they could still get back together. And my response to that is always this. If your old version of you and the old version of your partner are not a match, it's like your old version of you and old version of them led to a breakup. You are not a match. What can happen is you can do this evolution, take the, embody the lessons and leave the baggage, and they can do the same thing. And what can happen is that you realize as these new versions of yourselves, the new versions of you are a match. Or most often you realize, wow, we are not a match and we've evolved to a point where we can see that. However, whether you want to get back together or you don't, either way, the only way for a healthy future relationship with someone else or that same person is by doing the work to evolve your mind, body, heart, and soul into this next iteration of who you're here to be. Either way.
1: Mm -hmm. Totally. So the breakups that you mentioned recently or at the beginning, all three of them were public. Were they out loud?
0: Well, One was very public. We met in Encinitas, right? Mm -hmm. And you came to an event where we were speaking. So we led retreats together. We were together 10 years. We had made films together. It was a very interwoven thing. The second relationship was very similar because I was making that reality show. And so she became a part of the reality show and she's a musician and singer. And so she wanted that public as well. And then the third relationship was actually with a semi-celebrity, I guess you would say, where when we got together and it was posted about, they wrote us about it in like People magazine online. I had three very different experiences of public relating and therefore very different experiences of also public breakups.
1: Yeah. So what was that like? Because most people are like, yeah, cool. We understand breaking up. But what's it like to do it with so many people watching
0: really hard yeah really really hard i can imagine Uh, i would say that i didn't realize it at the time but when i started making the reality show in hindsight that was the thing that i needed to do to not avoid the process because had i not had these people around me all the time had i not been making a show that was entirely focused on how to heal I don't know how I would have done it. To be completely transparent, I went through one of the darkest depressions at various stages to the point where you could say it was borderline suicidal. And I didn't think that I would make it out. There were times where I really didn't see a way out and I felt completely hopeless. And it was a very dark time for me. What would I have done had I not had people around me that were focused on helping me heal? constantly, 24-7. I mean, we were flying around the world, living together, making this show. I don't know. And so to me, it was very hard, but it was also probably the thing that saved my life.
1: It's like confronting and really special. (laughs) And so many other ways, I'm sure, to describe it. In my own ways, I've done some forms of public relationships and breakups as well, but not to that degree. You know, I was in a relationship for about four years and traveled the world and I lived on cruise ships and so I lived on cruise ships for a total of almost six years and for four of those years I was in a relationship and from the outside looking in we were living a fairy tale but from on the inside you know I was traveling around with this um, strange interesting man from South Africa with a fun accent and he was so handsome and charming and there I am like small town Louisiana girl and I'm going out and I'm traveling the world and we're on cruise ships and we're doing this thing and Look, today we're in Thailand and look, today we're in somewhere in Europe and the Baltics and Alaska. And I even look back, you know, the Facebook on this day. That's like, oh, mm-hmm. my amazing life. But behind the scenes, I was busy in the gauntlet of all of the things I will never stand for and never be a match for. Like you're saying, ever again in my whole life. Like, little did anyone know that it was a mess behind the mm-hmm. scenes. And for a long time, I just hit it all. I had the lying, the cheating, the deception. I had the drugs and the pain. It wasn't for me. He was a recovering drug addict and then wound up relapsing through our relationship. And he was hiding it inside of our relationship. And it was just me constantly turning away, pretending like I didn't see what was going on. A lot of me questioning my reality and trying to it was easier if I just believed the lies that he was saying instead of really standing for this isn't true. And it just completely turned my world upside down as someone who, you know, small town Louisiana girl who got into this relationship at 22. And Mm so this is one of those relationships that I look back on and I'm like, I'm so grateful that it happened and fuck was that hard. But no one knew what was going on until all of a sudden we weren't together anymore. But it was like people were living vicariously through our travels and my following and people started following me and from all over the world that were witnessing what I was doing. And then the falling, having it break apart. And then I started writing about it. And essentially, this was what created what I have now, what I have been doing as a profession, as a career for six years. Like, I delved deep into sex and relationships and why was this so hard? And why did this happen this way? And what was factoring into my decisions? And it was a whole process. And so I have a lot to think for it for sure. I have my whole career and my marriage now and all of that. But I remember sharing some components of it in like blog form of what was really going on and people just being shocked. Shocked that I held all that in. Shocked Mm -hmm. that I didn't let anyone help.
0: Was that conscious? I'm curious because a lot of the breakup process is when we start to see things and they become so obvious. And yet while we're in it, we can't necessarily see them. They're a blind spot. Sometimes we might be a little bit aware, but I'm curious, like the hiding of it, how conscious were you that you're like, I am hiding this and I'm not letting anyone in versus it just rationalizing to yourself the reasons that you weren't sharing about it.
1: It was kind of all of it. Mm. I was rationalizing and I had this like weird falsified hope that at some point it would get better. And when it got better, all the bad and the wrongdoing and all of that would just kind of dissipate because it was all of a sudden better. It was like delusional Mm -hmm. enough to think that if I just kept showing up. And kept hoping and wishing and praying that it would turn into something different. What I also had fear of like judgment and being shamed by the people that I grew up with and around because they thought I was living this particular kind of way. And I think that there was definitely some habitual things that I learned from, I want to say my parents, but it was my mom. (laughs) And I love her so much. And she's been on the show. We've unpacked a lot of what I've learned from her and what she's done in her life because she's very much like, well, that's in the past. We're in the future now. What are you talking about? I love
0: that. I had my mom on my podcast, The Deep Dive. Yeah. Yeah, I had my mom on too. I think that's so powerful to do that.
1: Yeah, well, she's episode one and I got to get her back on. She's episode one and I'm like asking her questions about her relationships and stuff. And she's like, oh, you know, I don't know. I'm like, what did you hear about sex? I don't know. Less than you heard. And like, everything's this vague kind of answer. And as soon as I stop hitting record, she's like, you know what? And then she just blurts out a bunch of gold. I'm like, you're just holding it in. So I learned to hold it all in. I learned from her that in a lot of ways is what is being presented versus what's going on behind the scenes oftentimes is not congruent. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up mostly Catholic. And so to grow up with the messaging that you're supposed to be in a marriage and not break it and that's it. Mm -hmm. And you like stay married and all these things and divorce is a sin and wrong and all of that. But then like my reality is I'm learning something totally different. It was just a bit of a clusterfuck. And Mm -hmm. so I realized in that relationships, it was definitely after it was over, when that Mm -hmm. relationship was done, when I realized, oh, wow, I was playing out a lot of the things that I learned. I had no idea when I was in it, of course.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the opportunity that a breakup provides. And it sounds like you dove into understanding yourself, what had happened, et cetera, and that is what gets to happen in the process. One of the biggest things is, how can I just get through this quicker? Yeah. You know, like you go through a breakup. How can I get through this quicker? It's like a psychedelic is like journey the too. number one answer, right? Or a question that people have. How can I get through it quicker or make it hurt less? And I have not found a single way to make it hurt less. Maybe there's a magical way that can happen. I'm not the person who subscribes to that. I don't know any way to avoid feeling what needs to be felt. However, you can move it through it quicker. You can. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't happen for a lot of people because they just don't know where to turn. Mm -hmm. You know, when you started doing all of this work and I think you and I are similar in that way. Everything for me, it's been everything from plant medicine to ISTA to somatic sexual healing work. Like deep, deep work for really since January of 2013. I've been just nonstop a decade of really deep, intense work. And with a lot of people, they just don't know where to start. And so I'm curious when you say that you started diving into that, how did you even start that process? Where did you get the, oh, I'm going to do this or that?
1: I love that. Let's, let's, and now everyone, Adam is your (laughs) podcast (laughs) host. I love it. (laughs) I love it. I mean, yeah, I'm definitely someone who I learned that it's okay that I just be curious. I'd be curious why this. And for me, on the end of it, I just was so terrified I was going to recreate the thing. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, so scared I was going to do it over again because in my mind, I thought I was doing it differently because my small town, again, Louisiana high school sweetheart that went all the way to the end of college with me. This couldn't possibly turn out to be the same. This person was from a different country. This mm-hmm. person was like, we were traveling the world. Like, how could the same shit happen, you know, in some ways? Now, the person that I dated from high school didn't have the drug addiction and the tendencies in that and the lying, the cheating and all of that. It was a very different set of stuff that happened, but definitely the same feeling. I showed up the same in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I was pedestalized. I could do no wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. And so then in this next relationship, I was just like, I just cannot do this again because my rock bottom was post-breakup. Right after the breakup, I felt like a huge kind of wave of empowerment of like, I can't believe I did it. I left and I feel so good. But I was also kind of scared of the world and to like create my identity and who am I and all this. And then I got overwhelmed by it all and turned to food, gained a bunch of weight, was very unhealthy, turned to alcohol. That didn't help with health and lack of sleep. And I just like my own rock bottom was created Mm -hmm. after the initial wave of empowerment, feeling like wow, I'm glad that I chose something for myself. And then I was like, I don't know who the fuck I am. So I'm just going to hit rock bottom, roll around in the gravel, just kind of hang out here for a little while. And then eventually I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. So the first things that found their way to me were yoga, meditation, the power of now, like books, mindfulness. But then with relationships, with regards to relationships, it was eventually having the courage to start interacting again. With the opposite sex and same sex in some instances, but it was a willingness to show up, even though I knew that there were still a bunch of holes that I wasn't sure about. And knowing that I probably wasn't going to be able to figure out certain aspects of myself unless I was actually in a kind of relationship.
0: So huge. So huge. There is healing that you can only do alone and there's healing that you can only do in relationship. And the trap is to get back into relationship before you've done the healing that you can only do alone. Yeah, And it took me, so I, after this, my third breakup, I got that cabin in the woods. I dedicated all the full calendar year of 2021 to not being in a relationship. It was just completely off limits. And by the way, I thought that that meant I was gonna have tons of sexual exploration and just live my best life and say, yo, I'm off limits. And it wound up being less sex than I'd ever had in my life with intentional periods of celibacy. The longest straight stretch was five months. And during that stretch of celibacy at the two and a half month mark, I thought I broke my sexuality. I was like, I'm not sexual. I'm an asexual being now. <laughs> I'm not attracted to anyone. I don't seem to, <laughs> I don't care anymore oh, about no. any of this. <laughs> and like, it was a hard reboot and reset of my system, which is funny because I don't know. Have you done ISTA?
1: I haven't, but have you met Lori Handlers? No. She's one of the OG ISTA ladies, and I'm pretty decently close with with Lori. So I feel like I've gotten a lot of the teachings, kind of osmosis when I've worked with her in other places. But yeah, I'm familiar with ISTA.
0: Right. So for people listening, ISTA is the International School of Temple Arts. It's basically a sexual healing, sexual energy, tantra. Personal development. um, Personal development retreat that you can go on in a, a place that does it. And I've been involved in somatic sexual healing work and been on retreats and stuff like that. Worked with a couple and different facilitators for, it must have been like seven years. And then I went to ISTA. I was five months celibate when I went to ISTA, which one of the big things that makes ISTA different is they basically provide a space where you can have sex with other people there. They encourage you to be exploring your edges and boundaries. And I went, you know what? Screw it. Let me just go into the deep end. I've been a celibate for five months. Let me just jump into sex camp and just see what happens here. <laughs> but I do think that back to the original point, that exploration can only happen when single. Like that exploration is very different. I know people that went our mutual friend Taylor Simpson, who I co-host the Year Too Much podcast with. She's Have you heard that here. podcast, by the way? I haven't. I've
1: only seen little clips of it. And but Taylor's been on my show too.
0: Got it. Yeah, you would love. Yeah. you would love the Year Too Much podcast. Okay, we right. talk about twenty-two minute episodes where we talk about so many taboo topics, like I want to see my husband fuck another woman and things sure. like that. It's yeah, really, all the good yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, all the good stuff. And so, what's interesting is she went with her husband, Johnny, and there are people who go as couples, and it's different, right? It is going to be different. Mm-hmm. And so, I see when I went through my breakups, I was seeing being single as just dating with the intention to find my next relationship. Mm -hmm. That's what single was. You're dating because you're trying to find your person, your next long-term relationship. That's what dating is. And it completely shifted for me when I gave myself a full calendar year of not being in relationship to realizing that, no, dating is the opportunity to learn things about yourself, what you want, what you don't want, where... There's some fears, and insecurities, where some strengths, where some of your magic lies. All of those things that you can only see when you're in that single sovereign energy. And then along the way of doing that, seeing dating as a massive personal development course that you're taking. Right. Well, along the way of doing that, you'll find someone. Like someone will appear that... Maybe the person you start a family with, maybe someone you date for two years and that ends. But ultimately, it shifted what dating is for me. Where it's not about finding my next partnership. It's actually dating is about dating. It's right. about the process of self discovery.
1: Oh, so I'm curious. Whenever you get into, I don't know, they kind of I want to call them like little mini relationships. It's like if you're mm-hmm. dating someone in your loverships. Loverships. I like that. Lover. Loverships. I wonder, you know, some people who are hearing this, like some people are dating for their next great love or their next relationship, or they've been doing a lot of individual work and they realize like, I've been doing the work. I've been going to the things I've been showing up and I'm fucking lonely and I'm tired of it and I want it. And maybe they even have some awareness of like, but I can't hold on too tight. I've got to be surrendered to the process and I have to make space for the person that I want to have in my life. But I also need to like show up for myself and take care of myself and yada, yada, yada. Like, Just imagine any kind of person, but they're in dating and they want to meet their next person and they interact with someone, let's say, like you, who's in a space of, I'm dating just for the sake of dating. What would the conversation look like? Would you realize (laughs) like we're not actually a match for each other?
0: I've had a lot of these conversations, actually. Very curious about this. (laughs) Going back to ISSA, there's a framework of desires, fears, and boundaries, Mm -hmm. which I loved that framework. And so what would happen was I would maybe go on a date or I'd meet someone at an event, or, and there was a vibe. And so once we had a one-on-one experience, I would often, it felt like it wanted to move in the direction, especially of becoming physical. If there was that physical intimacy desired, I would have this conversation, desires, fears, and boundaries. And I would say, what are your desires, fears, and boundaries? And I would let them know that for me, for example, my desire is Physical connection. My desire is to have a lot of fun and laugh and play. My desire is to continue to deepen a friendship too, because I actually do genuinely enjoy spending time with you. My fears are that if we are physically intimate, that you'll take that to mean that it needs to be something more than that. And my fears are hurting your feelings. And my fears are also for myself, maybe getting attached. And my boundaries are. I am unavailable for long-term partnership. I am unavailable to be expected to be FaceTiming multiple times a week. And like, that's a hard no for me. So if any furthering of this dynamic, specifically physically, because that's where it really starts to get entangled a lot. If you require that, if that's what you want from this, knowing that those are my boundaries, this is not a match. This is not a fit what I discovered from having these conversations is one, for anyone listening to this, these conversations sound very not romantic and like a killer of the mood, so yeah, to speak. Like you
1: got to follow the method step by right. step.
0: But every woman I ever had it with was so appreciative, appreciative yeah. the clear communication and also giving her the choice. You know, that's something that for So for a lot of guys, they don't have that conversation because they're afraid that the woman's not going to sleep with them if mm-hmm. they have the conversation. They're like, I'd rather, I don't want to risk not hooking up, but that's manipulation. Mm-hmm. That is a like reverse form of manipulation where you're afraid that her deep desires don't align with yours. And so you're going to keep those hidden so that maybe you can get this thing that you secretly want. That's not how I want to play the game at all. Right. So they were always super appreciative. And what I did learn is I think this tricky thing about being in this role of the masculine and leading because I experienced a lot of women who said they were totally cool with it and in very short order weren't. It was became very clear that they wanted something more. They were hoping I would change my mind. They were thinking that I was not really clear within myself. And that became then what is my role as a man? Here is my role to say, I don't think she can handle it. So I'm not going to engage. Is my role to continue to be as honest and upfront as possible and let them make their own decisions? That became a really interesting journey.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad we double clicked on this and like went a little bit deeper because I'm also fascinated by this conversation. After I kind of got out of the big long term relationship and was navigating on my own and like I started to feel my confidence growing, I realized over time, though, I was holding people a little bit at arm's length. And not really letting myself or them get too close to me because, for a variety of reasons, like all kinds mm-hmm. of fears, and I'm not ready for this. In some ways, feigned like I'm gonna live solo poly, like I'm gonna have these different relationships and I'm gonna visit them when it's convenient for me and somewhat convenient for them. And we're gonna have these really powerful, beautiful, sometimes explosive kind of interactions with each other. And then I'll just like go about my business, gallivanting and like keep up with them every now and then. But then over time, I realized like I was fearing. A deep kind of love that I really, you know, eventually over time, I realized I want a lot of depth, but it took time and exploring with myself. And so I was on the other end of this a handful of times as the woman saying these things, approaching and having these conversations like I want you to know where I stand and I want to make sure you're down for it. And I actually had a very similar conversation with Jordan when him and I first got together. However, I was at the point and so was he where we both wanted long term partnership, but we were both like I don't know what the equivalent of a fuckboy is
0: for a woman. <laughs> sacred slut.
1: <laughs> a sacred slut. I don't know what was so sacred about me. But both of us were realizing that we were open to sexual intimacy and we were open to play and we were open to like only so deep, you know. And that was a couple to a few years before I wound up getting into a relationship with Jordan. But both of us, like, I would say within a couple to a few months before we met had realized, I think my time is up with this. I think I'm ready for my next great love. I'm ready to trust myself in relationship and I'm ready to open up, soften my heart, actually have my heart open to another person. And we did have a really interesting conversation where it was just like, okay, well, here's what I'm down for. And here's what you are signing up for when you say yes to me. You know, love that to me. I value sexual development is right in there with personal development. They are interwoven. They're sexual, spiritual, personal development. It's all blends together. Mm-hmm. And he hears like sexual development and he's like, yeah, we're just going to be like fucking around, right? We're going to have like threesomes and we're going to go to sex parties. And yeah, I like this because she's down. Like my woman's down. You know, like yeah. he had this idea of what that was going to look like. And yeah. then what it actually wound up being like is like a topic for a totally different podcast, but it's just like going in there, like showing you all of the dark shadowy parts that you still haven't, you know, looked at, like how you show up in sex and what holds you back from being able to connect in certain ways. And anyway, like I said, like a topic for another time. But it's just so funny to think on the times when outside of my relationship with Jordan, I'd be telling another person where I'm like, here's where I am. Here's what I'm available for. And as long as you can agree to this, I'm down to play.
0: Yeah, well, I think, Knowing that is important, but there's also an understanding that there is absolutely no way for you to protect the growth that you'll have when you meet that person. Right. Because literally, you're moving through the world as a single person operating through the lens of your current consciousness. And when you meet someone who is going to become a big part of your life, their entrance into your life is going to hold up a mirror. It's areas that you can't currently see. When you open your heart, it's going to let them into areas that you're not currently letting anyone else in. And therefore, it's going to bring up shit that just hasn't been brought up before. And I think that to ground this in for me personally, I thought I was ready. I thought I was ready for deep love and relationship again. And I'd been single for nearly two years. And very recently, I've started to date someone when we first started dating, I realized I was looking for evidence that she wasn't that person. I was actually sitting there and seeing little things, seeing, see, there it is. That's a sign. It's not it. And th- there it is. It's a sign. It's not it. And through that reflection, I was able to realize wow, I've gone through so many loverships that weren't it that I've started to assume it's right. not it. All right. And then I realized, if I don't shift that, this is going to end. But what is causing me to do that? Is it actually because I don't think that she might be that person? Or is it because I'm afraid she might be? And I realized the latter was actually true. I was terrified that this might actually be that person. And then suddenly, the part of me that wanted to stay single was coming back up and going, I just got to this point. Where I love being single and I love actually getting to spend time on my own. And I've gotten to a place where I've enjoyed it. When I got out of my 10-year relationship, I thought about going into a year of celibacy. And my ex-partner at that time said, I don't think you should do that. Celibacy would be easy for you, actually. Like you have a tendency to go in, like you can be a recluse like that. She said, you should go and have lots of sex and experience things because that's your edge. And I finally got to that place where I said, I enjoy this so much. I'm enjoying the connections I'm having. I'm enjoying being single. I don't feel like I'm missing something. I don't feel like I'm walking around the world feeling like I'm a half of who I'm supposed to be because I'm missing that partner. And so to think that, wow, I've met someone that's making me feel like this might be that next great love. I thought I was ready. I'm not so ready. Can we just like put pause on this? And I got to see all these behavior patterns. And here's the key piece I want to land with. No other woman in two years had been able to bring up. And that is what I'm saying. When you meet that person, you can enter into it in the same way you always have. You can enter into it with the same mindset that you've had for the last two years, three years, whatever. But when you meet that person, one of the ways to know that it's different is because it will bring up things that no one else was able to bring up. And I think that's been really powerful for me to be back in that dynamic because it's been a long time since. And remembering that has been painful as hell and difficult and confronting and very, very beautiful.
1: Yeah, fuck yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot because someone who I'm very close with is out of a 10 year marriage and is now dating and it went through her like period of like little loverships and dating and is now holy shit in the front and face to face with someone who's choosing all of her. And we've been having lots of conversations about just this idea of in some ways being in a relationship, especially early on, like you were saying, like looking for all the reasons where she's not maybe not the one. Mm -hmm. And then when you get into a relationship with someone who is showing you like maybe they could be, it's when those things come up, it's not about them, it's about you. Right. You know, and then it's confronting, like, what do I get to go through in order to not have this projected onto you? This is my shit. It's really Mm -hmm. interesting. I think in this conversations with her, there were some things that she was learning in loverships, I'm just going to keep using that term, where it was definitely some of their shit. It was definitely like people do shitty things, (laughs) you know? Then it was like, okay, well, how could she take responsibility and in this relationship and all that? But then in the face of someone who's like, I choose every ugly, beautiful thing about you fully mm-hmm. from the beginning. And it's every little thing that she could want to have in his direction. It's like, oh, this is about me. This is actually about me. This is about me because this person is giving me love the way that I say that I want to be loved.
0: But what you're doing right now, it's amazing that she has a friend like you to help and do that. And I do think community is a massive, massively important part of, being able to have healthy relationships and navigate breakups and the art of breaking up course, part of it is a community aspect. When people who take the course also get a community because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have made it through breakups without a community. And sometimes we don't have those people around us in the physical, but having, you know, I'll have monthly live calls to answer questions and just having people support is so important. So what you just did is what You learn in breakups and being single, like the ability to start to really take your emotional experience and use it to help identify the lessons and the growth to develop a deeper sense of introspection is so important because then just like you said, when you get into relationship with Jordan and you say those things and suddenly something comes up in you, you've actually developed the ability to explore what that means and why you're feeling that way. And I think that's a skill that is practiced in relationship, but it's developed when you're single.
1: Yeah. This is a great conversation. And I'm hoping that so many people who are listening to it, whether they're reflecting back on previous breakups and maybe a beautiful relationship that they're currently in or they're on the verge of a breakup, just looking for that next little encouragement to tip it over the edge so that they can go into whatever the next phase is. You know, the journey's not over when the breakup happens. The journey, in a lot of ways, it's not that it's just begun. You're just carrying on. I think for me, it's like after each breakup, I'm that much closer to what is my next greatest love. And that doesn't mean it's the next person that I date or the next person I sleep with or whatever. But I want to ask you, like, as we round out our convo, the components, because you touched on them a little bit at the beginning, and this will kind of round us out. But it's the components of, or maybe even the keys is better. The keys are the components to getting through a breakup. Maybe loop in a little of your course, because for us, Jordan and I, we have, like, as an example, one of our programs is Couples Goals. It's about all-in couples. It's all in, and that's the type of people that we attract, that we want to work with, that want to deepen their intimacy, that want to excavate new components of who they are, be held in community in a way that helps to amplify and show them their next unfolding as a couple and in their coupleship. And we don't have anything like how to navigate breakup. So I definitely want to encourage, I want to have a little moment where you can open up even a little bit more about this program and about the course, because I think it's so valuable for so many people. And in a lot of ways, I think some people who are listening, if I could encourage you all to go do this thing with Adam, and then I'll see you on the other side. When you find that next great love or you go through your single phase and you have your loverships and whatever, but eventually you're going to come through on the other side and you'll find that whatever that next great love is and want some support and having that be the most incredible experience, that next most incredible experience of your life. So I want to encourage some people to go in your direction.
0: Oh, I appreciate that. That's very sweet. And I do have a different approach to the course when it comes to the breakup course, the art of breaking up, 10 keys for turning your breakup into beauty. The structure of it and the intention of it are really what's important for me to get across to people. One, the structure every week there's a key and there's an exercise for mind, body, heart and soul. And it's what we talked about. If you're not healing holistically across all of them, you're not healing. <laughs> you will need to address all of these. And so there's over 40 exercises and tools over a 10-week period. So that's a unique structure to it. But also the intention behind it is to teach people an understanding of what the breakup process is and why each of these keys is so important. So I'll give you an example of how it's just structured differently because I don't want people to just do the exercises. Right. I love if you do the exercises, but this is about teaching you to fish. This is about helping you really understand, because I don't expect you, after you've done the 40 exercises, I don't expect you to do all 40 of them every single day. I think you're going to find some that really relate to where you're at in that process and be able to pick and choose from the toolkit. And week number one, the number one key to start with is don't text your ex.
1: Great. <laughs> this is week number
0: one. And so here's the understanding, because that's like a simple rule. But really what this is, is saying that you need to actually make the commitment that your healing is the number one priority. Healing your heart, getting through your breakup process is now your number one priority, not your ex-partner's feelings. So people are like, but I don't want them to think I'm an asshole. And like, but they're going through a hard time too. Yeah, and we want to be blah, friends, blah. but
1: it'd be really great. We like, like each other. We'd be great yeah. friends. Exactly. That We're co-parenting a dog or exactly. children. I,
0: I'm co-parenting a dog with my ex for 10 years. It's a difficult thing. That's and sad. it's one of those situations where if you're not willing to put your healing as your number one priority, the rest of the course doesn't even matter. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't actually matter until you're willing to say, you know what, this course is about me healing by giving yourself at least just one week of space. You are actually saying and making a massive statement about self-love. You are saying, I'm showing up for myself Mm -hmm. now. And that's the foundational momentum necessary for the rest of the course to actually sink in deeper. Because up until now, you may have been that person where you're filtering every decision through the lens of partnership. And this is the first decision that has to happen to just not be there. And so that's an example of one of the keys where it's, okay. don't text your ex. Simple. But it's not just that simple. It's easier. Understanding. Yeah,
1: it's easier said than done, for sure. And so many people, especially like a conscious community or spiritual people, they think that they are so evolved, like they're an evolved kind of person. If they're able to be in connection and community with their ex, they almost think better of themselves if they could be there. Like if I could just be there where I could be in connection with them and it doesn't affect me. And every time I'm like, block it. Just block the number right now. Just block. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, that doesn't mean fucking shit. That is so, that's not what... Choose you like. There's this weird thinking. Oh, but we're gonna see each other and this, that, and the other, and and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I can be in a friendship, then and so it feels really good to hear you say that. That's the first thing.
0: That's week number one, and it's designed really intentionally to the point where we get to later in the course, weeks seven, eight, nine. We start to go into more analysis where there's an exercise in there of the red flags, and it's like, okay, time to really sit down and see where were their signs. Where were their signs? But what's funny is most people try and do that in week one and two. But ultimately, the lens in which we're viewing the world is going to be filtered through our emotional experience that we're having, right? And so I think it's week number three or four, one of the keys is don't trust your self-perception. Because in that heightened state of emotion and whatever, the stories that we tell ourselves in that time become really Ingrained, Because in our heightened emotional states, blood's leaving our prefrontal cortex. We're going into that amygdala and limbic brain where we start to write our instinctual patterns. And so just telling ourselves those stories at that time not only sinks in deeper, but is also entirely through a lens of shame and blame and sadness and whatever that isn't actually allowing us to see patterns differently than we will once we've allowed ourselves to process some of that emotion. And so the first few weeks are really processing a lot of emotion so that we can get to week seven, eight, nine and start to see more clearly what's going on. And so, yeah, there's a lot of things like that that have been really intentionally designed in specific ways of understanding what's going on in the process from our physiology to the energetics to also... One of the things that's going to make this course so unique is the soul aspect of every week is about creativity. Mm-hmm. And if you know me, I'm a spoken word poet and a musician and a filmmaker and turning your pain into art, allowing your creative energy to move your emotions is a life hack. It is one of the most powerful ways that you will be able to heal your heart and turn it into, because even the act of taking one of the most painful experiences like a breakup and say writing a poem about it is forcing your mind to view the breakup through a lens of transformation into beauty. And just by getting yourself to start thinking in that way, will adjust how you view everything in your life. I don't believe any other courses out there are necessarily designed by artists to get through a breakup. And so Having that aspect of creativity is also another piece that I personally think is one of the most healing things that we can do. And so I hope that gives an overview of the intentionality of this course. I just really believe that this will help move people through a breakup more quickly, but more importantly, more potently, more powerfully so they can emerge on the other side of this elevated, expanded, and a more confident and aligned version of who they're here to be.
1: Fuck yeah. Yeah when I think about, okay, well, what do you get on the other side? Like, who are you on the other side of, let's say this breakup course, in some ways, who you experience the people who go through it? Is it how you have experienced yourself going through kind of looking at this process, reading all of your diaries, figuring out the through line, and then now having this sweet new love? I imagine like what is on the other back end of the course is in a lot of ways mirrored what you experienced in your life. Is that right?
0: Yeah, my kind of promise for people who take the course is you emerge as a more aligned version of who you're here to be. And what that means is the next relationship you call in will be more aligned with who you are now. And the next chapter of your life will be more aligned with who you are on the other side of this process because this process is where you design everything. It's where you've dissolved your past, present, and future. And therefore, on the other side of that, I went from suicidal depression to being happier than I've ever been, being more confident, feeling more powerful, and living my life in a way that I never would have imagined. And yes, shit still comes up. I just shared how in a new dating dynamic, I'm having my shit come up. But I wouldn't even be able to attract this person into my life or see these things at these levels until I went through this process to develop that self-awareness. Similarly to you with Jordan, you went through a ton of, I mean, you went through years and years and years of work and depths. And as someone who has gone down to the jungles of Peru and done dietas with shamans and has done ISTA and all these things, it's all here. I've taken the best things that have actually worked and put them into this course. And so I just want to save people. To be honest, I did not want to make the course. It took me so long to get out of the breakup energy that going back into it felt like a step backward yeah. somehow. But then I saw really good friends that are coaches, that are high-level, self-aware humans who were derailed by breakups. And they were calling me and asking me for support. And one of them literally said, where's your... Co- And I thought, I think it's time. I think it's time to go back in so that what was the most painful experience in several years of my life doesn't have to be that for other people. I really wanna help people understand that if you're willing to do the work, and that's the final message I'll say here, no one will do this work for you. No one will do this work for you. You have to be willing to show up for yourself. You have to be willing to look at things and you have to be willing to feel. If you're not willing to do those things, good luck. Like You're going to be in this process for a while. I'm sorry. That's just what's (laughs) going to happen. But if you are willing to do those things, you can move through the process in a more effective and quicker way, for sure.
1: Mm. Adam, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your work. And thank you for being willing to answer a call that you weren't expecting, you know, to like help people move through their breakups. But I love that you've put your artistic spin on it, where you go through and essentially transmute or alchemize your pain into something so much more purposeful and creative when you become an artist with it. That's such a beautiful frame. And I know that for a lot of people who might be going through breakups or they might go through your course or something like that, breakups, they're filled with feels. They're filled with ups and downs. One day might feel like this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I feel so connected to myself. And then the next day, There's like a song that plays and it just completely has the whole day just combust all around you. And it's just, you know, and it feels really fucked up. And then it's a roller coaster at times. What wound up happening for me through many years of doing the work, which was all over the map, you've Mm -hmm. put it into a step by step. But for me, eventually I got to a place where I was confident that even if I could face someone that I might wind up heartbroken on the other side of it, I felt like I could show up for myself really show up for myself, that I could go into it with my heart open and I knew that I would be okay. And there's something so empowering, like truly empowering about that. Where It's like, if you do the work, you will not regret it. You absolutely will not regret it. And your future lover, the future, maybe mother or father of your child, your children, your family, husband, wife, whoever, all of that is transformed and is made better for the work that you do. So yeah, the work that you all that you're listening, you've heard me say it over and over again that the work that you do matters and keep fucking going. Again, Adam, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your love with all of our audience.
0: Uh, Thank you so much for having me, Alexa. This has been a great conversation. I appreciate you so much.
1: Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.